Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon going to go to the Word of God and we're going to continue teaching on uh, not being an average church. How many have no interest in being average? I, I'm thankful for all the average folk, but I don't want to be average. Do you know we, didn't, we don't serve an average God? I said we don't serve an average God. Jesus is not an average Savior. He didn't die an average death and he didn't rise to a new life that was average. How many know we have been given the promise of abundant life in Christ? Somebody say amen. And I was going to go to the next place in this series today, but the Lord just dropped some stuff in my heart and my spirit uh, regarding generosity and giving again. I know some people came today because they said, oh, we're going to get another kind of sermon. We don't have to endure that giving sermon again, well, we got you set up. You came today, and we're gonna talk about generosity one more Sunday. This is the time of the year where we talk about generosity. And uh, as Devin told you today, we are in a season of harvest right now. I said we're in a time of harvest right now. And we've come through doors, and doors have shut, and doors are opening, and wonderful things are happening. But I'm gonna tell you, you will never experience harvest time until you first have seed time. I got four amens and that's good, but I'm, I'm, I need you to get involved in what I'm saying right now. You can never have harvest without seed. No farmer walks out into an empty field where no seed has been sown and talking about, where is my harvest? It is, it is, uh, it is, not, uh, it is not wisdom to expect um, harvest from a, a field in which no seed has been sown. And I wanna talk about that today. I'm wanna, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. Now let me just go ahead and prepare you. This is a challenging message. This is not gonna tickle toes. This is not gonna make everybody feel better. This is, not, this is a challenging message. I pray that God will give us the ability to hear with ears of the Spirit because I, I have rejoiced all week long in the response and the emails and the messages that we have received about how tithing has changed people's lives. By a show of hands, not a rhetorical question, by a show of hands, if tithing has benefited your life and you have seen the blessing of God in your life, I want you to lift your hand right now. If you are a tither and you've seen it change your life, lift your hand right now. Thank you, God. That alone is reason for me to ignore the theological people who say tithing is not for New Testament people. We are not under the law. Well, we've never been under the law since Christ came. How many know he delivered us from the law of sin and death and made us recipients of the law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus. There is no law, but how many believe with me tithing is not law? Tithing is love. Come on, tithing is not a contract. Tithing is covenant. And so um, I'm, I'm going to do this one more Sunday and I was moving on, but the Lord just, this. I found some stuff out this week that literally, it, it, it freaked me out. It shook my, it shook my, uh, uh, my understanding some and I had to pray through and I just felt like God wanted me to share it with you. This is not going to be some deep, ultra deep thing, but this is 
this is, it was powerful to me because A, I never heard it before. B, it gives a perspective to what God wants to do in our lives and the priorities that we should keep. And I'm not preaching this. I preach on this one time a year. If you've been with us any amount of time at all, you know I do this one time a year and we don't take tons of time to talk about offerings and that we, we don't manipulate to raise money, but we have to teach the truth regarding stewardship. You cannot sit in a church and go to church every Sunday and shout and fall out and have all nine gifts of the Spirit and be broke, busted, and disgusted and think that your lot in life is to sit down and to just have a spiritual experience without impacting your children, leaving legacy behind and shifting and changing things in our generation. Listen to me, family. God wants to bless you so that you can indeed be a blessing. I am thankful for all the gifts. I'm thankful for all of the move of God. I'm grateful for that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, the people that are behind you at Starbucks may never come to your church. But when you buy them a cup of coffee because you understand the power of generosity, it could break a yoke of thinking over them that sets their future free. And I say that and I'll get some email from some hateful Pentecostals. That is not what salvation is. Well, salvation is not being stingy either. Don't make me come down here. I haven't even read a text yet and I'm watching people grab their belongings and run to the car. I don't care. Proverbs 3, 9. Proverbs 3, 9. Oh, I love being around hateful people. God is gonna put my, if you get to heaven, God is gonna put my mansion right next to you. I'm gonna wear you out every morning of eternity. Rise and shine. <laughs> Give God the glory. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Be serious. Proverbs 3, 9, when you got to say word. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of what? all your increase so then your barns will be filled with what and your vats will overflow with wine listen to me people how many have ever say don't don't get bent out of shape just listen to me a second how many have ever heard people say i don't give to god to get something back lift your hand okay i will agree with you the motive in giving should never be to get something back but don't be ignorant of this when you do give to God, he will bless you. And I'm telling you that because if you don't know that, you can have your barn door closed and God trying to fill it with stuff. Now, let me take you over here to 2 Corinthians 9. I didn't, I'm pulling one on Chad, so uh, we are Chad. Help me out here. Ch uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Verse number eight through 11. Now what Devin told you today um, uh, about being in the Feast, Feast of Tabernacles, everybody say Feast of Tabernacles. In a very uh, elementary way, this is almost like the Jewish Thanksgiving. They are having a real big celebration for all that God has done for them over their history and they are being uh, cognizant of the fact that God is their supplier and they're celebrating the faithfulness of God. Now I want you to listen to 2 Corinthians 9, verse, well, let's just do it all. Let's go to verse 6. 
We got time. Take the clock down. Devin, take it down. Don't put it up on me. I'm getting offended looking at that clock. Take that clock down. If y'all leave, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Whatever time. I, I mean that. You know my heart pastorally. I'm never going to beat you up because you got to leave. If you got to leave, get them babies. Go eat some chicken. Come back to church tonight. It's going to be wonderful. I'm tired of trying to cut my sermon short for about 20 people who got to go somewhere. I prayed all week long. I got to get this out and y'all going to have to deal with it. Hallelujah. Everybody all right? Everybody got joy? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not a, not a tearful giver, not a sneerful giver, but a cheerful giver. Look at somebody and smile. Act cheerful whether you are or not. Come on, just act cheerful. Okay, praise God. God is able. Say, God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, say me, having all sufficiency, say all sufficiency, in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That don't sound like El Chipo, that sounds like El Shaddai. All sufficiency in all things so that you can be a blessing to every good work. Okay, as it is written, he dispersed abroad, give to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies, now may he, watch this unfold. Now may he, how many have a he capitalized in your Bible? Because the supplier of seed is not the preacher or you. The supplier of seed is Yahweh God. Can you say amen? Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God's about to bless you in a way that when you bless people, they're going to give radical thanks to God for your radical generosity. Go back here and let me see where that was. That is verse number 10. He gives seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. Look at you. This is the sermon title today. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't eat your seed. That's the wrong neighbor. Turn around to the other neighbor and tell the other neighbor, neighbor, whatever you do, don't eat your seed. Father, help me today to teach and preach your word. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is the Holy Ghost, to come on me now. And I pray to sit on this house as we teach and we are seated together in heavenly places with such a mighty and magnificent outpouring of your spirit today. We thank you for what you're moving out of the way. As we gave you a wave offering, you moved some stuff for us. We thank you, God, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Bless the people of God today. I ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Don't eat your seed. You can be seated. I want to continue today to talk about the power of generosity. And I want to quickly just go back for those who missed last Sunday. Um, 
Uh, and, and you're back this Sunday. I want to just, and for those who were here last Sunday and just need a reinforcement, I want to reinforce for a few minutes a day what we talked about last week. We talked about the tithe. Anybody remember what the tithe is? 10%. We talked about the tithe being 10% and we give a 10% back to God of all of our increase. And everyone's tithe will be a different amount. How many are thankful that God doesn't respect the amount? He respects not the quantity, but the quality of the gift. Your 10% may be more or less than your neighbor's, but it moves God equally. I said your 10% may be more or less than your neighbor's, but both gifts, no matter the size, it's the sacrifice that moves God equally. And so just be faithful, as Devin says all the time, give where you live. If, if, if you're at a place in life and your tithe is $100 a week and someone next to you is their place in life and their tithe is $1,000 a week, you don't need to drop your head and be like, man, I don't give as much. So I'm going to keep what I got. I, my gift don't mean no nothing. Your gift means everything to you and your family. And I just want you to continue to be faithful. And, and if you haven't launched out in that faithfulness, to begin that faithfulness of giving your 10%, the 10% that belongs to God back to God. That's what the tithe is, it's 10%. And then how often do we give it? We give it to God as we experience increase. Has anyone experienced the increase of God this week? Well, the increase that came into your life, if you recognize that God is your source, then you give it back to the one that gave it to you. That's that's what, we will, that's what we teach. That's why we teach tithing, because we believe in honoring the God who has blessed our lives. And then we talked about we give because our king is alive. Hebrews chapter 7 says that we give to mortal men here, but we give as to the one who is still yet alive. We give our tithes to churches. We give our tithes to ministries. We give our tithes to ministers. All of that is wonderful, but I want to make sure you make the connection that as you give to ministry, you are not just giving to a ministry. You are giving to someone or something connected to God. God will actually account for you and I when we tithe to our local church. He will actually call the tithe that we give to the church the tithe to him. Now, did you put it in the hand of God or did you put it in the local church? You put it in both. When you put it in the local church and they are faithful to steward it and do missions and do outreach and feed the poor and help those that are in need and rescue people in traffic, and whenever you do whatever we're able to do and help people do, as much as we're able to do, when you give to a gospel-centered, Jesus-believing, New Testament church, God says, I'm, I'm accepting that as a gift, not just to a church, but as to me personally. You have actually given to God today. When you give, you've actually given to God. And we give too, we give our tithe, watch this, we give our tithe to be reminded of who our source is. Now some people in this room, government is your God. Oh, I'm coming out guns blazing today. Government is your God and you think that taxes make you uh, uh, supply your need. I pay my taxes so the government gotta take care of me. And then when a preacher preaches on tithing and God's economy, then you get mad. You have more confidence in the United States government than you do in the kingdom of God. And them jokers had to stay up to 11 o'clock last night to pass a last minute bill to keep the lights on in Washington. And I just wanted to come by and tell you, God never had to pass no bill. Angels didn't 
didn't have to get in harmony and elders didn't have to take a vote. He is still El Shaddai, still has all power. The power of the kingdom of God will never go off. You will never find heaven in the dark. You will never find broke angels walking around on crutches trying to find a meal because my God is a God of supply. I feel like preaching and abundance and you better make up your mind who your God is. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my, I'm going to pay my taxes because I don't want to go to jail, but I don't trust one of them jokers up in Washington. I do stay up at night thanking God that he's going to take care of Wallace and he's going to take care of Devin and he's going to take care of my 73 kids and he's going to take care of my... Oh, y'all, some, somebody in here needs to catch today this fact. If you don't catch nothing else, God is your source. I feel like preaching here. God is your source. Touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to get back up here. I need to teach. I need to introduce this message better. I'm getting too excited. I tithe because God is my source. And I'm never waiting on any man to become my source. Because men may shift and people may get weird and crazy, but God ain't moody. He don't have good days and bad days and you know, he, he's not moody. God takes care of me and takes care of you all of our life. He's good all the time. So I pay my tithes to keep myself from being bound to inferior sources. I pay my tithes so I don't have to, okay, yes, Lord. I pay my tithes so that as a pastor, I can preach the truth and not worry about how many of y'all leave when I tell you the truth, and I don't have to get up and make you feel good and like me so y'all keep paying your tithes and paying my salary. When God is your source, you will never be at the mercy of a man. I feel like preaching. Too many preachers have been bought. You are a hireling, but a shepherd loves sheep enough to tell the sheep the truth. And sometimes too many preachers are too bound up financially and they're all tied up with this money thing. And if you've got to have their money, you'll tell them what they want to hear. I'd rather tell you what he wants you to hear. Oh God, help me today, Lord. So I'm just, I, I got delivered. I had to go through some deliverance from that because I remember being beheld to somebody. But when you really tap into the power that God is your source, he will send resources to you. He is the source, but he will send people to be a resource. And you can trust it when you've kept your heart pure that you have not had to be bought I'm talking to some preachers. I didn't even have this in my sermon. But you don't have to be bought and paid for when Jesus bought you with his blood, paid for your salvation with his blood. You can stand up and fear no man. Tell the truth. Preacher, you better hear me. You can preach the truth and let God be true and every man be a liar. So, so we, we tithe to keep ourselves being bound to inferior sources and primarily from being bound to the systems of this world. The world has a system. The world has an economic system. And in the economic system of this world, you buy and sell. In the kingdom of God, you sow and reap. 
the earth system and the system of God, the kingdom of God, operate on two different uh, modes of operation. In the, in the world system, you buy and sell. In the, in the kingdom of God, you sow and you reap. And that's what I want to talk about today as we take a step beyond the step we took last week with tithing, I want to talk to you about what do we give God? We give God two things. We give God first, what is first, and we give him what is best. Okay? In fact, let me say it like this. I'm going to break both those down, but let me say it like this. We give him what is best first. We give him both what is best and we give him what is first. But in reality, what he wants is what is best First, some people give him what is best last. And it's really not best, it's just what they have left over at the end. And we call that, this is what I have left. That doesn't release the blessing over your life. The blessing is not released when you give him what is left last. <laughs> The blessing is released when you give him what is best first. Are you following me? I'm trying to lay a foundation here. Tithing is not done after I pay my bills. Let me see how my month turns out and we'll see what I give to God. That removes the element of trust from the covenantal act of tithing. I give first trusting him that he takes care of what is left after I give him what is first. Okay, so everybody say best. I want you to go back to that Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verse 9 and 10. I want, I want to just teach this. Um, the Bible said, I, I want you to make the distinction, Chad, if you can put that up on the screen. Honor God with your possessions and with and give him the first fruits of all your increase. Everybody see that? So there's two different things he's talking about, possessions and increase. I wanna teach this today. Because we think, oh, I wrote my tithe check. I did my duty. And God is not just after your tithe check. God wants you and I to honor him, not just with our tithes, but with all our possessions. It's not just that the tithe belongs to him, it's that I want to live in a place where he has access to every possession that I own. I told this story this morning in Cleveland, and I, I, haven't, I don't know if I've ever told this story at this church, because there's things you just do for people, and you do for God, and you don't want people to do. The Bible said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I have, this happened 12, 13 years ago. I, I will never tell you who it was for. You will never know who it's for. I just remember it so deeply because it transformed our life. Um, and and there, it was a season in our life where we really didn't have the means to do this. But we're driving down the road, and, and Devin had just gotten a minivan, a Honda Odyssey. Now, I think minivans are of the devil. <laughs> Personally, I feel like minivans are an assignment of the enemy. But... Devin feels like, you know, it's God and then the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of Kevin, that's a great gift. And then the next greatest gift God ever gave a woman was a minivan. So she got her Honda Odyssey minivan. I was so glad we were able to get it. And she's driving in her, you know, her hoopty and she's just 
got all of our kids, three or four kids in it. We're going down the road, and she says to me, she looks over at me, and she says, I feel like God wants us to give this away. And I said, devil, let me help you understand something. Get off my wife's shoulder right now. Stop talking to her craziness like this. So I'm driving down the road, and a few more minutes, that same voice got on my shoulder. Yeah, I want you to give this away. I'm like, this has a thousand miles on it. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Linda, I mean, Lord, listen to me. Listen to me. A thousand miles. I know, but I want you to give it away. And I remember taking it to them and giving them the keys and the title, and they started jumping up and down. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so excited. Lord, I hope you enjoy this. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, some of y'all can't relate to this because you've never given anything away that you wanted to keep. I'm going to tell you something that's going to set everybody in this room free. God will never ask you for what you don't have. But he will often ask you for what you want to keep. I look back at the goodness of God. I would have given that van away a thousand times if I understood 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that that one act of obedience released and triggered so many things supernaturally in our life. And I got the revelation. That's actually when God spoke this verse to me. Honor me not just with your increase of tithe, but with all your possessions. <sighs> Everything I have belongs to you, God. Everything I got came from you. And I don't have anything in my possession that you don't have access to. Some of y'all are really uncomfortable right now. You know why? Because your God is talking to you right now. What? I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about that little G-O-D. That little G-O-D, and y'all watching me on internet right now, you got to be careful. You don't listen to that voice. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And honor God with the first, for say first, the first fruit of all your increase. This is the tithe. God wants what is best, and he wants what is best first. Go with me to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi, I'm going to teach this. Malachi chapter 1. I remember when I first read this several years ago, and it messed with me so bad because I had to take an invent a painful inventory of my own personal life. And I had to measure the quality of the offering I was giving to God. You say, God don't care about the quality of my offering. Oh, for real? Let's read it. Malachi, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. I, I'm going to try to preach this as little as I can, read as much as I can without adding my commentary and my preaching. 
I'm going to try to do that just so you hear the face value of what God is talking to us about. He is talking to a priesthood of people who come to the temple with an offering. And they're offering, listen, just listen to it. Here we go. A son honors his father. Is that up there? Thank you. A servant honors his master. If I am the father, where is my honor? This is God talking. If I'm the father, where is my honor? If I am your master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. He is talking to his priests and they have been despising his name. And go to the next verse. And they say, in what way have we despised your name? Verse seven, you offered defiled food on my altar. And you say, in what way have we defiled you? But by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. Next verse. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, it, he's talking about a blind lamb. Priests were to come to the temple with a pure sacrifice, the best lamb in their yard. And now these priests were coming to the temple and they would go out in their yard and they would find the blind lamb. And they took the blind lamb to the temple and they gave it to God. And when you offer the lame lamb mm -hmm, and the sick lamb, is it not evil? If it ain't a big deal, watch what Malachi said. Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with this offering? Would he accept you with favor if you gave him a blind lamb? How would your friends feel? Come up here, let me talk to you for a second. How would your friends and family feel, Fitch, if they come over to your house for Thanksgiving dinner and you broke out a can of Spam? Well, that ain't gonna happen if you know J.R. Fitch. That ain't gonna happen. But can you imagine rolling up to somebody and saying, come over to my house. We wanna take you to dinner. We're gonna feed you so well. We can't wait to have you. And you get over there. Nothing has been prepared. And they go into the cupboard and they break out some nine-year-old Spam and they put it in a skillet and put some mustard on it talking about, we love you. No, you don't love me. You know, I'm called the fast, first of all, because I'm not eating no spam. Secondly, if you love me, we would be sitting in Chewy's or in Papacito's having some, oh, y'all not talking to me this morning. What's my love language? Mexican food. Three times a week. Queso enchiladas. Oh, gloria a Dios. Never mind. God has a love language and the priests of God were bringing him sick, blind lambs. And God said, if it ain't a big deal to you, if this, don't, if, this ain't, if this ain't such a big deal, go take that to your governor. See if your governor would feel honored by the gift of giving him something. Do you know what they did with blind, lame lambs? They slayed them and they got rid of them. They never carried them to the temple. Why? Because they were useless and did not demand, they did not demand any money. They didn't bring, they weren't worth anything. And they were literally going out into their yard, taking what was worth nothing, carrying it to the temple and saying, God, here's our offering. And God said, am I not your father? Have I not been better to you than that? Y'all not talking to me now. And we brought God. God, this broke, lame, blind lamb.
right, well, it's all I got. No, it ain't, God said. He said, I know what's in your field, and I know that you got them good lambs that you saved for yourself, but you brought me your leftovers. Y'all not helping me preach on this Sunday, but I'm trying to talk to you about the quality of what you give God. Is it what is best? Told you this was going to be a rough one. Or is it what's left? And I'm afraid every Sunday we carry our blind, lame, leftover lambs. It ain't just in your giving. I'm talking about how you praise God. Well, here we go. People got to stand up and twirl and spin and wave banners and paint pictures and holler and tell y'all to pray. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If you really love him, nobody needs to tell you to praise him. When you go down to the Hootenanny or you go down to Riverbend and you sit your chair up in a hundred degree heat and you get bit by mosquitoes big enough to carry you off waiting for your favorite singer to sing your favorite song and you paid $50 to get in and nobody had to beg you to get excited. And when we come to church, I'm afraid we bring him my leftover. He don't want my leftover. He wants my best. He wants my best. There's a quality to the offering. He often wants me to give what I want to keep, Mike. That ain't fair. I'm like, God, can you go pick on somebody else? Get them to give something they want to keep. If you're going to walk in the harvest and the measure of blessing that God has designed for your life, there are gonna be some seasons in your life where you give what is precious to you. Never judge somebody on their harvest until you first have considered their seed. <laughs> some people hate you for the level of blessing that has broken out in your life and they have never considered what it cost. I've never seen so many jealous people in all my life as people who go to church. I'm not talking about this church. Come on in here, Facebook, join me. I'm talking about them people who go to church and read their Bible and say they have a prayer life and hate on people who walk in a measure of blessing and you were not there when God asked them for what was precious to them. You did not see them release what was in their hand, which is why you hate them for what God released from his hand into their life. Mm -hmm. Judas always gets tore up when the expensive stuff gets broken open. <sighs> Boy, I'm telling you, I'm offending it all today. Judas always gets tore up when the smell and the aroma of the costly thing 
uh, just begins to linger in the room. That's why you cannot judge someone who is spinning and dancing and jumping and waving and sweating and giving God their best praise. You may not like it. You may have thought it'd be better to save it, but you don't understand that that person giving God the best, you don't know what he brought them through or the faithfulness of his mercy in their life. We are actually not even thinking about you while we're spinning. We are thinking about the one who forgave us from a life of sin. Who am I talking to in this church? Well, could you just chill out and not be so extravagant? We're talking about the king of glory. Measure your generosity. Be very measured. Not me. Generous. Let me tell you what I found out about generous people. If you're generous with money, you're also generous with kindness. I'm going to sit right here, Mike, and preach with you for a minute. You're, you're, you're generous with kindness. You're generous with joy. You're generous with your time. You're generous with, I don't know what's in that seat. So let me get up and walk over here. You're generous. And let me tell you what else I found. If you're stingy with money, you're stingy with smiles, you're stingy with joy, you're stingy with laughter. Because generosity is an announcement that everything I have, he gave me, and I'm going to share it with you because I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. So the best, what is your best? Find your best and give it to God. And I'm gonna go one step deeper and I'm done. Give him your best first. Not what is last, but what is best first. Talk to me, Aiken. Oh, feel that? Oof. Everybody's like, oh no, he didn't. Oh yes, I did. Talk to me, Aiken. Can I set this up for you? Joshua 6 is the text. And the context of it is Moses is dead. Israel is in a position to go into the promised land. Joshua is the new leader. He is not the administrator that Moses was. He's a warrior that Israel needed. So he's about to lead them into conquest because the Old Testament Joshua is a sign and type of a New Testament Joshua whose name is Jesus who would lead us into our promised land. Y'all miss what I said right there. He, he, Joshua led the people of God into conquest. What was the first city that they take in conquest of their promised land? It's in Joshua 6. Do you know what the first city was? Jericho. God says, I want you to take the people of Israel, march around the walled city, the fortified city. Can't get in, can't get out. We got our city and nobody can take it. God said, that city is mine. And Israel, I want you to walk around the city six days, once a day. Shh, don't say nothing. This is where Pentecostals have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> oh, we got to say something. Somebody got to prophesy. Somebody got to shout. Blow a shofar. Do something. No, not yet. Just chill. <laughs> yeah, we, we would have had a problem. 
God would have been like, RTTN, calm down just a little bit, okay? Six times, six times, six times. One time a day, one time a day. What are they doing? Creating a swirl. <laughs> Just steps of obedience in the direction that God set them around the walls God told them to walk around was creating a swirl. And they're walking around the city for six days, did nothing. Seventh day, walk around seven times. Six times, don't say anything. Seventh time on the seventh day. Get the people with the shofar. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And everybody without a shofar, shout. So you know the story. This is where we Pentecost. We used to have Jericho marches once a month growing up. Somebody got a sickness. Oh no, get the Jericho march out. Get the Jericho. The devil is in that woman. Get the Jericho march out. We get ready to march the devil right out of this city. And we just took off marching around the church. We didn't even count. Whenever we felt breakthrough, everybody was like, Wah! and we shouted and we all went home with the victory. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Church of my God, people, we had a Jericho march once a month. Seventh time they shouted, what happened? Walls come down. Read the text. Joshua 6, they run up into the city and they have the city and they take the spoil. Can you put Joshua 6, 18 up on the screen, please? One problem. Achan went up into the defeated city and took the gold, the silver, the garment of the Canaanite and he took it for himself. Why was this a big deal? By all means, God said through Joshua, abstain from the accursed thing lest you become a curse when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Now I'm getting ready to blow your mind. How many have an NIV Bible? Come on, nearly inspired. Lift your hand. Don't lie. I'm kidding. <laughs> Y'all can't take my humor today. Okay, okay, watch. King James, New King James calls it an accursed thing. NIV calls it what? A devoted thing. Read it. It's in your text. Well, is it accursed? Or is it devoted? Well, it depends what you do with it. Because the Hebrew word means the devoted thing. God said, when you take Jericho, which is which number? It's the first of 31 cities. If you read the conquest of Israel, Jericho is the first of 31 cities that the children of Israel conquered. After they conquered the first city, God said, don't take the city and don't take the stuff. It's mine. Why is it yours? Because it's first. I'm going to give you the rest of it, but I got to know you trust me with. Y'all better see what I'm telling you right now. If you'll trust me with the first, I'll release all of the rest, but I got to know before I give you the rest of it that you know what to do with the first. And Achan said, this is supposed to be devoted to God, but I like it so much, I'm taking it home with me. So y'all don't like this, I can tell. So he carried it home to his tent. 
and buried it underneath his bed. And everything was all right until the battle with the next city came. Ai. Ai, that'll preach. Ai. Not that we're looking into that. There might be something in there for me. Ai. And they go up against this little, small, insignificant army of Ai, and they get beat. And everybody's like, what happened? Where is God? And the Bible said, God was, anger was aroused because they kept the devoted thing that was the best and the first. And they kept it for themselves. Watch this. And the devoted thing that belonged to God became the accursed thing. The same thing was both devoted and accursed. Is it devoted or is it accursed? It depends what I do with it. If I give him the devoted thing and I give him what's best first, there's no curse on it or what comes after it. It's blessed. But if I keep, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. If I keep what is devoted to God, then that thing becomes, becomes a curse to me. Are you saying God curses me? No, I'm saying you got cursed stuff. This is heavy. If I don't preach this, woe be unto me. I didn't want to preach this message. I never even saw what I'm getting ready to tell you. Everybody say, don't eat your seed. I'm done with this. I brought some apples. This is the blessing of the Lord. This is the goodness of God. This is houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, jobs you weren't smart enough to get. This was promotions you didn't even know were coming. This is just the kindness of God. This is children that love Jesus and meals on your table and clothes on your back and shoes on. This is just the goodness of God. This is peace in the middle of a storm. This is joy in the middle of the night seasons of your life. This is just the goodness of God. And God says, all I know is this. All I know is taking care of my children. And you, you get to have all this. Oh, don't mind me. Don't mind me, I'm just doing what God does. See that just overflowing and Just all oh, so good. I just want to eat some of this. I hadn't had breakfast or nothing this morning. I'm so, I'm so hungry. I could eat a horse. Somebody give me some chicken or something. And just time after time, piece after piece, God just keeps on blessing us. Every time He does that, there are 10 pieces. Oh, that's good right there. Though. That's good. Them good apples right there. But there's one piece of this apple I can't eat. You know what it's called? The seed. And do you know where the seed is? in the core 
And do you know the core of every blessing reveals the core of you and I? What you do with what's in the core determines what is in your core. So I got all those apples up there that we're about to eat. Me and the kids are going to eat them at the church. But there's one part of the apple I can't eat. And here's what I found out this week, and I welcome you to get a witness from Google. <laughs> Sister Google is going to back me up on this one. You break this core open, and there are one, two. See, this is why you can't judge people where they are right now, because you see how many apples they have in their hand. We measure apples but God measures by the seed. What you may not understand is in this one apple core is a whole orchard. <laughs> I don't know if I believed. Oh yeah, if you knew what to do with a seed, you could actually plant a seed that would produce an apple that would, plant a that would produce another set of seeds that would produce another set of apples. And before you know it, you turn a field into an orchard. No it's okay. I'm in the book. You may not like it, but this is hermeneutically sound and exegetically correct. Where are my Bible students at that was in class last week? Hermeneutically sound and exegetically correct. You don't eat the seed. Here's what I found out this week about apple seeds. If you eat enough apple seeds, you will die. Read it. Check it. I didn't know this. That there is a chemical in the seed of this apple that if you ingest enough seeds, chew them up and ingest them, and they begin to digest in your system, an enzyme in your stomach will mix with the poison in that seed and produce cyanatic shock. It actually releases cyanide into your system and your liver shuts down. Literally, you can die by eating your seed. And when I read that, I said, what? We have gotten sick by eating our seed. That's the sermon. I'm done. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all the best of all time. See that? If I eat that, one seed ain't going to make me sick. There's nothing good about that seed. Have you ever had, my mama's here, my sweet mama's over there, and she makes all these wonderful desserts. I didn't get this physique. <laughs> Without some cobblers, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. My mama has never brought me a pan of apple seed pie. My mama ain't never come over and said, Kevin, try this peach pit cobbler. Eat the pits, leave the peaches out. Who eats the seed? I want to ask the question before I close and let you go today. Who's eating your seed? And don't tell me seed's not important, that tithing is not significant because 
Malachi said, when you give tithes to God, it rebukes the devourer. Do you know what the devourer does? He does not come for the harvest. Read it. I know what I'm talking about. The devourer in the Hebrew is a unique word, and it literally means the seed thief. The enemy does not come after your harvest. He comes after your seed. Why? Because if you ever get seed in the granum, God will stand guard. I feel like preaching here. God will stand guard over the seed and protect the seed until it comes into harvest in your life. That's why the Bible said God rebukes the seed thief. Because when you plant seed, the enemy comes and says, I'm going to get that seed out. Because if that seed stays there long enough, it'll produce a harvest. And God said, get your hands off her seed. Get your hands off his seed. God rebukes the devourer, the seed thief, so that the seed can germinate, grow roots, and produce fruit. Stand with me this morning. If you're in this room today, I want to do two things. I want to give an invitation to lost, a lost person in this room who doesn't know Christ as Savior to come to the Lord. You say, Pastor, you just taught on giving. I taught the kingdom of God today. I taught the goodness of God, the blessing of God. I said no, so much. I, I taught about the blood of Jesus today. Some of you got sins you don't know how to get rid of. He'll take them. Some of you have addictions you don't know how to break. He'll break them. Thank you. He will do it. He will do it. Some of you got a past you don't know how to run away from. Quit running from it. Turn around, stare it right in the eye and say you're covered by the blood. How? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you want to come out of darkness into light, if you want to serve God and not the devil, if you want to be blessed and not cursed, if you want to go to heaven and not hell, when I say three, lift your hand. One, two, three. I need, to, I need to be saved. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you back there, baby. I see that hand. I see all your hands right there. I love you. I see your hand. I see you on the back row. I got you. Put your hands down. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. We're going to give an offering and our tithe in a minute, but before we give anything, the most important thing we're going to do is open the doors wide to the kingdom of God and let anybody who wants to run out of darkness into his marvelous light, let him come home today. Look at your neighbor right now. Say, do you need someone to go to the altar with you? If you've known them your whole life or you never met them before, just ask them, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, when your neighbor asks you that question, come out of your seat right now and just stand with me right here. We're going to give our life to Jesus. There were hands up all over this house. God bless you for coming. I don't want to go home like I came. I want my life to be changed. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God bless you. God bless you, sweet family. Come on. They're coming down this aisle. They're coming down that aisle. They're coming. I'm coming home today. I'm coming home. God bless you, baby. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Come on. They're still coming. I need some people to help me celebrate the goodness of God. God bless you, baby. Come on. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Come on. They're praying. And the burden of my heart rolled away. If you're saved, thank him. It was there by faith I received my sight. 
Come on, before we give, stretch your hands toward him and sing that song. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. Come on, family, sing the song. It was there by faith. Let's sing it one more time. If you're saved, then you know it. If you're saved, then you're thankful for your salvation. Sing that song one more time. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. God bless their lives. It was there by faith where I received my Father, we thank you for every brother and sister that's become part of this great family of God. We thank you that our sins have been washed in the blood, our past has been forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you have nailed our sins to your cross, Jesus. And today, when you died, we died with you. And when you rose, that dead man stayed dead and the new man has come to life in the spirit of Christ. And today I pray that the life of God would just invade every heart that's come to this altar in the precious, pre come on, stretch your hands toward them and pray for them for 30 seconds like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your life to Jesus. Come on, pray for them. God bless every one of their lives. God, keep them in your perfect peace. Watch over them and order their steps. Guide them into new life. Oh God, let this not be a, a finish line. Let it be a beginning point, a starting point, a launching pad. I bless these lives. I speak blessing over them in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.